Hello, everyone. This is Amy Wentzel. I see we've got people starting to join us. I see we've got, it uh, looks like, Roberta and Dale. Hey, I'm just opening up the lines. Roberta, Dale, are you there? Yep, we're here. Yes, we awesome. are. Awesome, awesome. And so I'm going to mute everybody's line for privacy. I see we've got more people coming in from around the country. So everyone, hello, this is Amy Winslow, and welcome to the live Q&A session of the Product Business Show. And if you've been following us over on the Product Business Podcast, you'll see that there has been a lot of talk about the what's behind a business and the story of business and in how that creates momentum, etc. So we're going to continue today with the 10 reasons that people buy. And this is really important to understand because it's not something that we're all just born with, right? Like we don't all just, you know, at two years old know, well, how do I get people to buy my things? And, you know, we don't know that, right? When I started out in business, I was a, a jeweler, right? I made jewelry start to finish. I worked with my hands. I ran the studio of a jewelry store after college and um, was doing a lot of stone setting. And then I had carpal tunnel syndrome. So I had to have surgery on both of my hands. And then I needed to find another way to make a living and continue in the industry with, and use my skill set, use my degree, all of that. But I couldn't sit at the bench and make things anymore or I'd have repeated surgeries. And that really sounded scary to me. And, you know, I spent about six months having the store manager massaging my arms, then going through a double hand surgery, and then the recovery of that. I mean, if you've ever had both hands operated on within 30 days of each other, think about everything that you do with your hands right now. And having it be that at the beginning of September, one hand is out of commission, and at the beginning of October, the other hand is. And that feeling of what am I going to do, right, the, the career that I loved and that I had been so excited about wasn't going to be possible. So I took my skill set and I went into sales, and I wasn't very good at it at first. Matter of fact, I was kind of like I, I think people bought just because I knew a lot of stuff about the jewelry and I knew how it was made and I knew all the those pieces, but they weren't buying for me because of my particular sales skills, right? So I had a a boss who really wanted me to hit some numbers and he had a lot of confidence in me, so he came out and he would work with me and teach me about selling. And then I got really intrigued because I understood how much it was about fulfilling the needs of the other people and that it was an act of service that when you had the right product for the right person, then it was a whole different game, right? At this point, you know, I study sales and marketing, and I love it because I understand some of the psychology that's behind it and the why we buy, and I've watched myself and other people and our clients and everybody that they sell to, from small startups to selling to major corporations, the elements are the same, but they look a little different. So courtesy of Jim Edwards, he has a really great list of 
the 10 reasons people buy. So I'm going to go through about five of them today, and then I'm going to continue the, the remaining five over in our podcast. So if you haven't followed the podcast, go do that. I just won't have enough time today to go through everything here. And I want to talk a little bit about how they apply to some of your particular projects, okay? So I know a few of the products that are, are on the call, and we might take a kind of a little hot seat and say, well, how do these ways people buy and reasons they buy apply to your specific project, okay? So there, there's a couple different things. They fall into two broad categories and maybe a third, okay? It's people buy to make money or to save time, right? Those are kind of the two broad categories. Um, there's way better ways to market out, though, right? Here are the reasons. To make money, to save time, to save money, to avoid effort, to escape pain, whether it's physical or mental pain, to get more comfort, to achieve greater cleanliness or hygiene, to attain fuller health, to gain more praise or feel more loved, to be popular or to increase social status. Okay? So those are the ten, right? So when you think about it, let's, let's break this down by personal purchases versus corporate, right? So in personal, to gain praise and feel more loved is to be respected, right? Um, to be popular is to be respected. So there's a lot of emotional drive there. And increasing social status is part of the being popular. The increase in social status is a really intriguing one to me because that is what influencer market, marketing is, right? That is why people follow celebrities, um, because they want to know how those celebrities have become important, liked, respected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's kind of borrowing the social status of the celebrity, right? That's what a lot of products are doing right now. They're using product placement with celebrities and with influencers to have people aspire to owning their product or take action to own their product because it will help them gain status and be like that popular person, okay? The, the, to make money as a reason and to save money are very, very different reasons people buy, okay? Um, as business owners, a lot of us, it'll be to make money. That's why we buy, right? Um, Right now, we're running a very interesting test. If you have been to the site and gotten the Turn Products, to Profit, Turn Products Into Profits book, you have been helping us um, run something called a split test because we are actually testing two separate headlines. One is to be away from pain and one is towards a result, right? Now, in our market, this has been kind of interesting it's the exact same image, the exact same um, layout, the exact same everything except the headline and the subheadline are different. So we have two versions of this uh, opt-in page, and when we're 
sending ad traffic there and sending everybody from even this list over to that, our system automatically is splitting the, the visitors 50-50, right? It's sending 50% of the traffic to one and 50% to the other to test, is our market more excited or uh, engaged with away from a pain called avoiding making expensive mistakes or towards a result called build the business of your dreams kind of flavor, right? So not every product is going to be driven by the same factors. So it's a really important distinction. So to, to make money, to save money, are different drivers. In many, many cases with products, the away from pain might generate a stronger response. But if you are in a market where your people tend to be action takers like ours, sometimes it's more towards the gain the advantage, right? So it's really important to kind of test and think about, well, why, are, why would somebody buy this, right? And when you are dealing with a corporation, it's the same. So if you are selling, like I know we have a couple of our people are licensing to large corporations. That's their goal, right? And so ways that this to save money versus make money might operate at a corporate level is to gain new markets or to of to do a strategic protection of the market they already own, okay? That's kind of their flavor of this. Um, it can also be to make them more money from their existing customer base or to save them operational money, right? So it's really kind of cool because you can look at these from a consumer level, but you can also look at them from a company level. And I'd really encourage you to do that when you're selling to companies because companies are, are very similar to people, okay? And the, the buyers in them, of course, are people, and they have the same kind of emotional drivers. So this to escape a pain is kind of related to the save money sometimes. And the, um, the one inside of companies that really drives a lot is this uh, gaining respect. So the, the idea of being popular or increasing social status operates very heavily with employees, okay? Doing a good job, getting the raise is one thing, but in most research, there is a, an interesting thing that employees, um, when they're asked to rank their motivation for doing a good job at their job, money is almost always dead last in the list out of 10. So the reasons that they're inspired to do a good job are more about acknowledgement and praise than it is about money. So that's what you want to keep in mind because that's a way um, that they, to be popular, increase their social status, operates inside employee mindset, right? When you help them do a good job and their products in their section or their product lines that they're managing are doing better than the other buyers, then they are respected, okay? So if your product helps them do better than the other employees or do their job really well or any of that, that can be as important a factor, if not more so, 
than the money that the company will ultimately make in getting a buyer to pay attention, right? The reason they're interested is the money the company will make. The reason that you're interested, um, getting them interested in particular, is how it increases the respect and popularity and the social status of the employee within the company, right? So it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, if you like this kind of psychology in business, then you may have heard of a gentleman, his last name is Bernays. So his, his full name is Edward Bernays, and his last name is B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. Edward Bernays is the double nephew of Sigmund Freud. Yeah, it's true. His mother and his father both have connections back to Sigmund Freud, like two sisters married two brothers or something. So uh, Bernays has a, an incredible history. If you ever read about him, you'll be fascinated. Um, he is the one who took psychology and started applying it to marketing and to sales, right, and to the drivers of what causes people to take actions. And this is back, gosh, I think around the 1900s. Um, I know he was operating all the way up until like 1960s. So I think he started in 1920s to 1960s, sort of spanned his career. Um, very fascinating guy. So with that, um, does anybody want to talk uh, specifically about these 10 reasons people buy related to your project? If so, you can raise star two. That will raise your hand. And I'm going to go over to our webcast. See everybody over here. One moment. So while I'm doing that, if you haven't been following the podcast, I would love it if you went over to iTunes or Google Play or the new uh, Apple Podcast, because iTunes will be uh, sunsetting. We're listed in all those platforms, plus Podbean, and you can go follow and subscribe to the podcast. It's where we're putting short clips on an almost daily basis right now, uh, about six to 12 minutes with different ideas, thoughts, and inspirations around product business over in the webcast. Great. Okay, so webcast question. Um, can you run through the list of 10 again? Sure. So I'll talk more about <laughs> so mostly today we're talking about five of them, and then over in the podcast we'll talk about another five. But here's the whole list again. To make money, to save money, to save time, to avoid effort, to escape pain, and that can be physical or mental, to get more comfort, to achieve greater cleanliness or hygiene, to attain fuller health, to gain praise or feel more loved, to be popular and increase social status. Okay, so that's the 10. Now, that's courtesy of Jim Edwards over at Guaranteed Response Marketing. Um, he's a copywriter that, that we follow, and I think that um, it's definitely worth your time to study how some of the psychology is playing in your project. So let's see, another question from the webcast. Um, they have a product that 
sells to both online and offline and want to understand how this plays and how they can apply these drivers and reasons that people buy, like what should they be putting them in, okay, in a nutshell. If you are selling online and you know that your product saves time or makes money, for example, or, or gains the social status, you're going to put words in your headlines and in your ads that communicate that. For example, we have products where I'll, I don't know your product, so I can't be specific. You want to look at what the product is doing, right, and why should they buy it, and then state it powerfully. In your ad copy, if you're doing Facebook ads or Instagram ads or YouTube, so it drives the language of the, of the messages in your ads, and then over in your Amazon listings, you can also use this. Say your product helps them avoid OSHA inspections or pass through OSHA without getting any fines. You, that's in a way from motivation, right? But if, they, if you know that it's because your industry cares about um, worker health, for example, which is also related to OSHA, but it's, the driver is different because they want to take really good care of their employees, right? It would be a towards taking really good care of employees. If it's they're afraid of inspections and of being fined by OSHA, then it's an away from a pain called OSHA inspections. Does that help you understand the difference? You can type more in the, in the Q&A box if you'd like, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Great. I see we've got people from Florida and North Carolina and Colorado, Pennsylvania, uh, California, New York. If you have a question and you're on the phone lines, press star 2. That will raise your hand. And I'm happy to talk about anything related to your product business as a whole. Let's see. We've got a question from Colorado. Phone number ends in 3840. No, sorry. There we go. We've got Denver, Colorado. Hi there. Who's this? Hi, Amy. Kate Reed with Move More. How are you doing? I thought that might be you, Kate. I'm doing great. Awesome. Um, great show as usual, Amy. So my question is, you hit some really great points about um, saving time, products that, ha you know, require less effort, fuller health, and those are, you know, mm -hmm. an escaping pain. And I see those as four points that our product hits. And was wondering if you could provide some examples of how to incorporate that into my pitching as I'm talking to corporations mm -hmm. about licensing. I thought that might be your question, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> yeah. So for everybody who's listening, and by the way, we are putting these over in our podcast as well. So, uh, Kate, you're getting the extended reach of the podcast, too. So yay, right? Awesome. Yeah, um, he is right. So, so Move More is a lower uh, body resistance trainer for everybody who hasn't seen it or heard of it. It's phenomenal for rehabilitation and gaining strength and mobility and balance in different um, demographics and with people that are in assisted living, etc. So it's really great for physical therapy. Um, so, Kate. Because you actually are talking to companies, right, you're talking to employees of companies. So it's going to be about protecting their market share, 
right? Gaining mm-hmm. additional market, right? We've talked a little bit about that in the past with you. And also mm-hmm. that um, there's a little bit of status for the employees in being the discoverer of your product, right, of being your champion um, mm-hmm. because many companies want their buyers to be scouting new products. <clears throat> so, um you know, for them to know about it before their, the other employees is really actually good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when it's so proven, because everybody, Kate has clinical studies that prove the validity of the product and, and its results. So um, the fact that it's already proven that it's already been selling is a, an advantage. So how it would sound when you are in a licensing conversation would be um, – it's not that you're going to tell them, oh, you know, you'll get to be the popular one. You don't tell them that. <laughs> you get to, do, you know, you get to do that. And, and, you know, you could say something like, um, if your company is like many, I know that buyers frequently are tasked with discovering new products. And the good news about this one is it's so proven that you actually have data to back up your, your interest in our product. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Do you hear how that's like you're you're calling mm-hmm. it out without saying, "Hey, you're going to be the popular one," right? Right. Um, and then the other way to, that you could do this would be, um, you know, in the save time and sorry, save time. Yours actually saves time, money, and effort mm-hmm. for for physical therapists. Okay. Right. So that is not one of the the. It's one of the reasons that a company that sells to physical therapists may pick it up, but you're not mm-hmm. speaking about it the same way as if you're talking to a physical therapist. Right. Different. Okay. So, um. If you're licensing to a company that sells to physical therapists and they're selling your product and other products to the therapists, right, mm-hmm. um, you could look at it like saying to the company you want to license to, our product, Move More Resistance Trainer, actually allows physical therapists more time to use more other therapeutic devices because ours allows them to do X, mm-hmm. right? Because then they're also hearing that they could get add-ons that, like, your product is so good that it's going to free up the therapist a little bit to be using other techniques and other equipment that they may mm-hmm. sell to them. Mm. Right? And you yeah. want to talk about it like, like there's synergy between your item and the other ones. Gotcha. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I would Great. would work it into a licensing context. Great. Thank you, Amy. Sure, sure. And um, <clears throat> if a product that is being licensed helps to escape a pain called we don't have the next thing to offer, our list, 
Mm-hmm. What you want to do, like, say they already have a customer base, right, but they're kind of saturated. It's a mature company. The product's already out. It's, it's saturated, right? Mm-hmm. It's very painful to not know how to increase your market mm. as a company, right? To I not see. have the next thing and to be in a place of innovation is really, it's tough. Because sometimes inside companies, they can get their own blinders going, right? And you really yeah. can't think of it, which is why they buy other products in, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, you would say something along the lines of, if you're talking to a mature company, you know, I know in an established company, it can frequently be the case where you feel like your market is get, getting really saturated. It can be so painful to try to increase your sales in that environment. What this is, this is a great add-on product. It allows you to leverage the sales momentum you already have and the established platform that you already have, but add something new in on top of it. Love it. Does that That's help you? Awesome. Very much so. That was great, Amy. You are amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. For everybody, Kate's one of our clients, and we've been doing some work on these conversations. So um, when, you're, when you're selling to a company, keep in mind you're selling to people, and they have company concerns. Right. right. So it's, there's nuance right. to it. But it's Absolutely. really, really good conversation. Yeah. It so, brings a different helpful? perspective, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's another perspective to bring to it um, and the conversations that um, have started. So that's great. Right. Thank you. So this, this benefit, the reason that people buy, you know, the, the eighth one, which was the attaining fuller health, is not yeah. why the company buys. Mm-hmm. So right. the reasons that people buy and companies buy vary based on the market that you're selling to and the audience mm-hmm. that you're selling to. Right. Right? Like, right. Um, I'll use our company, for example. When we're selling to startups, I don't talk about the same thing as when I'm selling to a company that is going through some nasty problem that really needs to be fixed because they're losing market share and it's, a bad scenario, right? The concerns mm-hmm. of those two audiences are very different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even though our core services could be the same, how we're talking about it is very different. Makes sense. Yeah. You're in the same situation, okay? Yes. Very good. Thanks so much, Amy. Awesome. Yeah, check out the podcast because I'll talk more about this um, for the other five things tomorrow over in the podcast, okay? Sounds great. Appreciate it. Awesome. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy, Kate. Um, you bet. Thanks, guys. So let's – you're welcome. So let's see. Our next question is coming from North Carolina. Phone number ends in 5218. Hi there. Who's this? Hi, this is Sharon Scott. I've been wanting to listen and fit in, but your calls were always at the same time as one of my clients' calls, and now you're not a client anymore. So here I am on the phone. Um, thank you Yay. for so let me, um, letting me. So it's Sharon, right? Did I get you Sharon, right? correct. That's right. Sharon. And well, I was wanting to. I'm glad that you could join us. 
Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to piggyback on the last um, caller uh, discussion because I'm having a similar issue. I have a safety app for schools, and every time I speak with the gatekeepers, if you will, in order to get in touch right. with the principal, they already say, they always say, oh, we have something similar to that, which they don't. And, of course, mm-hmm. they don't, they try not to let me get further than I do, but I say, you know, it's not exactly the same, and I would really like to set up an appointment. But how do you get past that gatekeeper or even the mentality when you're talking with the right person, the buyer, um, to get your product or explain it even so that they'll take the time to look at it and know, oh, this is different, it's much better, it's much more involved, and it's easier, and we don't require you to have a cell phone or, you know, something that the students are prohibited from using in class. Right. Yeah, so getting past the gatekeeper is a really, really uh, important piece, right? So the how you get past them varies based on market. So you're selling a school safety app, right? Is it for elementary school and high school or colleges or what? It's it's all all the way up, like even for when a student gets on a bus. We know when the student, which student it is and what time. Okay. So 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 tell me more about it. It, Does it improve the tracking of the students, like where they are or – it does, and it also okay. allows them to create on their, say at home, the parent, which is the administrator, creates, say, ten uh, phrases that the student can just press the button on their wearable and say, I am safe, or there's a shooter on campus, or um, I'm hurt, or meet me at the back entrance instead of the front, or I'm staying late for practice. Whatever you decide to pre-program in, the student can press a button and send that to not only the parent but also the administrators. So, for instance, when a student is on campus and they see a fight escalating, usually mm-hmm. if the teacher isn't present, we don't know about it until there's an interruption. It escalated out of control. Right. And then everybody goes running. But I'm saying mm-hmm. start before that when it's precipitating and let the students be in charge of reporting those types of things because they're right there in the middle of it, not the teachers or faculty or what have you. If you think about every incident, they they seem to have something that uh, precipitates beforehand, and if we had reported it sooner or notified administration sooner, lives could have been saved or, you know, it could have had a different outcome. We right. don't know, obviously, but it could have. So I'm saying instead right. of putting – metal detectors and all that that don't work because most of the time it's not there's no gun on campus let the information flow better instead of just saying oh we're going to prevent and then treat the students like prisoners and so on and so forth i am obviously a parent and so i said (laughs) you know i have this app and you can use it for carpool i have a friend whose six-year-old was stopped was dropped off at the wrong bus stop two times Most of us don't Mm -hmm. give our six-year-old a smartphone or something. So she has to learn that her daughter isn't on the bus when she's standing at the bus stop and her daughter does not get off. So then what does she do? She has to call the school. They have to try and reach the bus driver. Meanwhile, what is this six-year-old doing and where is she? So I'm saying let her have that wearable. She can, uh, the, the mom can look at her device and say, hey, she scanned out and off the bus and she's at, bus stop 139 when we're at 141. 
So she gets in her car and she goes to stop 139 and gets her baby instead of waiting 30 minutes or however long it's going to take to be notified even that she's off the wrong bus stop. Got it. So is your sales strategy to sell to the school or to sell to the parent? The school. And the parents get access through the school's website via a link. Okay. How much does it cost the school to participate? About 27K. Okay. So $27,000 investment. And that covers how many students? It would cover every student in the school. I have uh, done the numbers on how many students are in each school, and that would include Mm -hmm. every parent that would want to be involved. Got it. It's voluntary. So, you know, the school has it set up, and any parent could – if the school buys it, it's it's there for everyone. If each parent has to buy it, then you have to get permission from the school and all that for the buses and have the scanners and all that. Right. So – Okay, so the problem is getting past the gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper is usually probably somebody in the administration office, I would imagine. Yes, that's right. Yes. Okay. There's there's a couple ways you can do it. You could go to the superintendent of the schools for the district. And you know, I, I tried that for the school level. Yes, that's right. even harder to get in, so now I'm reduced down to going to each individual school because I feel like if one or two pick it up first, it'll catch on. Mm-hmm. Proof of concept. Yeah. So. So if you're if you're wanting to drive change in a culture called schools, right? Then right. you first off, if you're testing it and you haven't been in a school yet, you might want to go to a charter school and do a charter school because they have a lot more latitude on testing things. Makes sense, right? So go where it, where the barrier is a little lower if you're doing proof of concept, okay? The how you get past a gatekeeper depends on who the gatekeeper is, right? In a charter school, there's a lot more direct parent inter- interaction and involvement. That's true. Um, so the parents can actually be supporters of yours and can drive the change. So if you're in a regular school system, they are more regulated, more structured, and they tend to move slower than charter schools do. Okay? Have you tried a charter school yet? Yes. No. Thank you for that. I'm trying yeah. to mute every time my son is screaming, school is out, and they're on <laughs> playing <laughs> on the computer. That's okay. So this is really good for everybody. You know, sometimes we have to build and kind of move up a ladder of the type right. of accounts that you sell to, right? So mm-hmm. if you're looking for the early ones, the first ones, or the early adopters, they tend to be more innovators, right? That's true. And they're, they're more open to trying, especially if you do something that's a good deal for them, right? It's true because um, my, my own son's school is a private school, and they are like, well, we have our carpool app and a student developed it. We don't want to uh, replace it, but this would give us so much less congestion, uh, more accountability, et cetera. But I figure once they see it in action, they'll adopt it as well. But it, I'm sure people are saying, if you can't sell it to your own school, how can you sell it to us? But it's well, wait, listen, listen to what happened in the conversation with that private school. Listen, say what you just said again. They said a student developed the app. We already have one, and the student developed it, so we don't want to trade one student for another's app. 
Right. What they are doing is they are supporting a student. That is straight-up psychology, not a business reason. Right. Right? So what's at play is the psychology, not the business proposition of it. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. <laughs> so, so they're making the decision because they're trying to have their students feel good and look good. Right? Like, our students developed such good things that we adopted one right. called this carpal lap, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're facing that, the way to do it is, one, don't try and implement the carpool segment of it. I thought right? of that, yes. Right. Just don't, just don't do that with them. Tell them, mm-hmm. you know what, you can absolutely pick which modules you want to apply. Because we, of course, would never want to step on a student's app that they developed because we want all your students to look good and for you to look supportive of your students. And that's actually sure. the purpose of our app as well because it's, it's psychologically difficult for a student to be left somewhere they shouldn't be, right? And students don't report things because they don't want to be the snitch. Right, exactly. Right? If they're watching the start of a fight, they don't want to be the snitch. They don't want to be the one to turn around and physically go to the office and tell on the other person because they'll be ostracized if they do that very much, right? But if there's yeah. a wearable that they can just tap, then they don't have to be the snitch, and the school gets a better handle on any sort of disciplinary things going on. Right. That's awesome. Thank you. That's how I would go for it. I'm gonna. Thanks. And then, you know, and then you can do what we're looking for is an early test case, or I, mean, I wouldn't use test case because that's bad. I would use, um, we're looking to implement this in three schools in this area, and we would love for your school to showcase how progressive they are in addressing mm-hmm. the fears that parents have. Yeah. And I would right. use that language because that is going to help them sign more students. Because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to sign more students and keep the test scores up and keep the results up. So right. everything that you talk about needs to help them do that. That's awesome. I'm a psych major. It it's so funny. Yeah, it takes the burden of... of um, the the burden of the tracking of what's happening with students as they get off buses off of the school and puts the accountability back with the parents, which actually mm-hmm. lowers the administrative um, drag for the school and improves right. the visibility on something that they they have never had control over, and it does it without increasing their liability. That's what you want to talk about, right? Does that help? So much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. We do a lot of this kind of work. Matter of fact, one of our, our clients in our product, Mastermind, um, credits us with getting them through the Shark Tank phone interview, and they will most likely be on this season. They got their film dates. We're pretty good at this part. <laughs> but I'm so glad you could call in today and ask a question. Thank you. Me too, and I agree. You're very good at this part. I'm I'm gonna type up my 
proposal and send it to the headmaster because he said send it and let me take a look at it. The principal over the lower school was the one who knows the student and, you know, has an intimate relationship and didn't want their thing displaced. And like you said, I don't want to go against what she's saying, but it's the teachers who have to walk between lanes and these moving cars and put their lives in danger. We haven't had an incident, but you don't until you do, right? Right. So digitize it and make it easier and let them identify where all the students are and where the cars are and they send the student right there and that first batch goes and you don't have to wait 45 minutes for your kid in carpool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so find a way to address the principal's concern, right? You don't want to, you do not want to undermine her. Because if you undermine her, she will tank your project. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's a small so, school, so, so everybody so, knows everybody. Right. Everybody knows everybody, and you want to uh, to look and act and be collaborative. Right. Right. So the the language that you choose is really important. But you know what you. There's definitely an opportunity to have this work for everybody, including the student who developed the carpool app. Right. You know, and um, a student a student who develops develops a carpool app is not the same as the parent who's waiting in the carpool line. Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm the one waiting and seeing all this going on. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, if you need the recording, it'll be over in the podcast, so you can okay. pick it up there if you'd like. Okay? Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for privacy. And, everybody, that is uh, as much time as we have today. Let me just check the um, Q&A. Perfect. It's clear. Everybody's uh, taken care of there. So everybody, if you have not already picked up a copy of my new book, I would love it if you would go do that. Um, this was a eight years in the making for me to put something out, and it was a nerve-wracking process. Um, we did it in the space of a few weeks. So it is designed to be a quick read. There's 18 chapters. Each chapter is, is a few pages of very distilled information. Um, to help you grow your businesses and to help you grow as entrepreneurs. And it's um, communicated in a fun way. Like one of the formulas in it about the math of what a lot of products look like, struggling product lines in particular, is, uh, let's see, how do we put it? Uh, funky profit margin plus low sales equals oh no, right? So this is not a technical, dense book that's going to take you forever to read and make your brain hurt. This is a get some stuff implemented and done so that you can move to the next pieces. Um, With that, everyone, you can find the book over at turnproductsintoprofits.com. There was a link in the email this morning, so definitely can click those. And go pick up a free digital copy. We're doing that for a limited time. um, And then we'll be publishing the hard copy version most likely. So um, the Product Business Podcast is up on all the podcast platforms, and I just am so honored that you've been 
in the conversation with us on the show live. Uh, some of you have been here the whole eight years that we've been doing this every other Monday. So um, I love each of you, and I, and I just am so thrilled that you're here. If you have a product and you would like to talk about the product Mastermind, it is a really phenomenal thing that we're doing. Right now the group is small, and we're adding some additional people in. So it will be capped out at 20 people. Um, it's very intentionally an intimate group. And for everybody who is in the Mastermind, we will be posting the results from some of our split testing that we're doing and show some of the actual opt-in percentages and how the numbers flow out of that in the coming week. Um, we have some early results already, so you can learn a little bit about opt-in rates and conversion rates, those things, out of what we're doing. So thank you, everybody. I will talk to you all again in two weeks, or just go listen to the podcast. It's really good. So it's been fun. Um, and that's our show for today. Have a really great rest of your week, everyone. Bye for now.